Hello, and welcome to the Weird Waves Podcast. My name is Taylor, and this is episode 32. On this week's episode, we are talking in person with George Can't Surf. I found George, or I guess we should say George and I found each other. We live actually seven minutes away from each other. We both surf Washington Park. We've never seen each other out, and he's never seen Andre out. And he found us on Instagram. This is a awesome awesome episode. It's so funny. It's so lighthearted. George is an extremely talented musician. He writes songs on his own name, which is George Can't Surf, ironically, and he also is a part of a band called Midwest Hype. Check both of them out. They are awesome, and in this in-person interview, we talk about everything from local beach erosion, traveling to the West Coast, and I learn a lot about skimboarding. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. My first question for you right off the bat is, can you surf, George? Uh, well, it was kind of a self-fulfilled prophecy, you know, of, of not being able to surf for a long time. But yeah, now I'm more in the swing of things, so... I can surf, but I'm not exactly a surfer, no. That is a very interesting answer. So we're here with George, what is your last name? Matthew. George Matthew, Mm -hmm. who goes by George Can't Surf. Is that your artist name as well, or...? Right, that's what it kind of became as I was on this journey uh, out west. I kind of made this Instagram account called George Can't Surf as I was making music and traveling, and then that kind of led to me making an album and and yeah, using it to release music and still still doing George Can't Surf stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Is it you or is it like an alter ego of yourself? Uh, I haven't thought that deep into it, but <laughs> it's definitely me. But but uh, I mean, if I thought more into what each album is, there's probably a little more uh, stylistically that might lean in more of a direction of a personality type. I don't know. Okay. That's cool. So let's start from the beginning. Are you your Recording this in person in Michigan City, living yeah. literally seven minutes away from my house, which is interesting. That's right. And um, are you a Indiana native, or what's your story there? I am from Lapore, Indiana. Yeah, right around the bend. So always been very close to Lake Michigan, and that's always just been a part of my uh, childhood and growing up. Everything always, always by the lake. So it's always a part of me. And how did you, were you in Indiana your whole life, like throughout your childhood? Did you stay in Laporte or did you move around? Yeah, no, I was, I was in Laporte through high school. Um, went down and was at Ball State for a while um, in college for a little bit. And that's where kind of my band started taking more shape. And we were doing the Midwest type thing and around the college towns. But yeah, it's been uh, around Laporte, Michigan City. For a long time, lived in Chicago for a while and around the Midwest, but yeah, now I'm here again. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And um, how did you get into surfing? Uh, definitely through skimboarding. So skimming was always around because it was just so accessible. You know, like when there's not waves on the lake, especially in the summer and stuff, you just have little things coming in or boat waves, you know, whatever. That's kind of just given that throw out of water over the sand so like the really cheap like woody skimboards were always just kind of around you know i think skimboarding is older than people even know it's it's been around for decades so like those have always kind of been there and then 
every summer we just kind of keep skimboarding and kind of just like got more serious about it and getting real boards and uh, learning about the wind and waves and when stuff comes in. And then we'd be out on good days, you know, we'd have a small crew of skimboarders and then we'd start to see like kite surfers and stuff, you know, not really that many real surfers on on Lake Michigan, at least in the summer and the fall, I never really saw any. So I think that was why for years and years, I never really thought about surfing because at least from Michigan City, I didn't, I didn't really see it, at least in the summer and the fall. Um, yeah, until later on, and I think I saw kite surfers and just kind of clicked in my head one summer as we got better at skimboarding too because the more you skim, the more you're trying to ride waves and push out to waves and you start to understand wrapping a wave and how the force of it works and stuff. And uh, eventually just, yeah, started to f- try to find a used board because I pretty much knew I couldn't buy a new one either. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when so this was mm, not too long ago, maybe 2016, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's about the, the same time, actually, that I got in the surfing here too. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. We're at the same we're at the same level in terms of like leak experience right. probably. Mm-hmm. Um what you said a wooden board and a real board. What constitutes a real board for you when it comes to skimboarding? Because I just really don't know anything about skimboarding. Right. It's it's kinda of like serving like they're like the harder foam uh composite and then it's coated in like a polymer, I think it is, like a slick plastic type of thing. And a rocker, you know, to like different rockers and sizes and you figure out how tall you are. Well, you should probably know how tall you are, but (laughs) figure out what board you need for your height and what style you're riding, you know, out in the dunes and around Indiana. It's it's not like we're always like getting waves, you know, there's a lot of like inland skimboarding too. So that's like a lot of manipulating your board on flat. So you're watching the wave period, watching water rush out, catching the best, you know, thinnest amount of water to go if you're trying to get speed or you're looking towards a breaking wave if you want to, like, kicking shovets or big spins off of, you know, breaking waves. Because that's kind of what a lot of skimboarding is on Lake Michigan is you're fighting against breaking waves as opposed to getting a clean wave because it's so rare um, that a clean set will come in where you're not having to break through uh, the first one on your board. So that's why, uh, I forgot we were talking about boards. That's right. Um, <laughs> that's why, yeah, like the thicker, a little bit heavier, uh, foamies or thick foamies, but they make like carbon fiber and stuff too. So people are out there with, yeah, crazy boards, but yeah, anything that's, um, that type of thick foam is, is good. Is it similar to, um, to skateboards in any capacity because the weight like for skateboarding not skateboard skateboarding in terms of like you said like I don't know pop shows or whatever right. that it sounds like skateboarding <laughs> yeah so I'm just wondering like if is that similar to skateboarding? Totally. Yeah, I mean, like, the feel of it is totally different. You know, learning to jump on and all that balance, totally different. And the way the board rotates and kind of your movement and your spinning, you know, having edgeless as a, uh, as opposed to wheels is way different. But, yeah, all the, a lot of tricks translate and a lot of the, the naming translates. So, you know, pop shove it is still your board rotated on your feet. A big spin is when, you know, you pop shove it and your body rotates with it. So you're rotating 
180 while your board's under your feet rotating too. So yeah, those are those are skate tricks, and which is crazy, crazy now is with surfing and wave pools and stuff now like surfing surfing's getting to that point where they're doing like big spins and big shovets and obviously 360s and all that stuff and it's crazy to see this kind of skating skimming and now surfing with all the wave pools and stuff like it's getting there's a lot of skate style going back into surfing which is crazy full circle because you know obviously skateboarding came from surfing to begin with you know people were taking skateboards down the road mocking you know riding waves on the on the side of concrete and stuff so so now to see surfers and wave pools doing uh you know big spin shovets and whatever else and cool thing <laughs> yeah that's an interesting angle i um i also don't know we've just recently gotten into like trying to uh skateboard yeah and that's the funniest thing ever like being the old people at the skate park and oh, yeah. i have like pads on because i don't want to hurt myself <laughs> yeah it's, it's intimidating <laughs> so, i know how it goes it is so intimidating yeah. and like those little kids it's just like grounds i guess but they're so good oh yeah Especially now, yeah, they're even better than ever, and it's like, yeah, you're gonna get shown up by a little kid at a skate park. I mean, I do all the time by kids. It's insane. <laughs> it's it's fun in a way though to to do something new because I feel like for whatever reason as adults, like we have this like we don't start new like be a total beginner at anything. Yeah. It's pretty rare and like. It's actually really fun to just be totally shit at something and, like, be just absolutely trash at it. Yeah, and then get real hyped about all the yeah. little accomplishments you make and stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. We were learning how to do it in Toronto, and, like, I couldn't get literally over this hill. That was all it was. Mm -hmm. It was, like, trying to figure out. It was, my like, my first day. Yeah. But trying to get over the hill just by my, like, kick, push, like... Right, and then just trying to pump a little bit, or... Exactly. Yeah. Just getting over the hill, it took me, like, so, so much energy. Are you regular or goofy? I'm regular. Uh, was, at least you knew that going into it. Yeah, well, I was, like, I had longboard before, and I had, like, a longboard, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't anything, it was not serious, and it was not really great and I had actually fallen and like busted my ass Yeah. and um I was pushing really weird I was like holding my front foot but then pushing with my front foot so I was like standing on my back foot but pushing yeah. with my front foot classic mongo yeah mongo that's right <laughs> that's what, that's what yeah. my instructor told yeah. it was like a class in Toronto with the surf shop did they stop you from doing yeah. it good nice yeah, good instructor like this mongo style yeah that can scar a kid for life and then all of a sudden they push mongo forever and, and yeah he'll get made fun of not this kid <laughs> no more mongo for me right <laughs> now you know <laughs> but it, it is interesting too to see, like you said, the full circle. Have you surfed a wave pool before? No, no, definitely not. I just, you know, I follow a lot of the surf accounts and stuff on Instagram, so I see this progression and uh, all these pools popping up everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like it's kind of like you're, you guys are getting skate parks now, you know? Yeah. So you're going to have this breeding ground of kids that are going to start getting insanely good, like we were just talking about at skate parks, just from wave pools. And I guarantee there's going to be this crazy shift of like, OGs versus I'm sure there already is versus new kids that are doing like the new kind of air maneuvers and stuff like that versus traditional you know style and turns and all the real shit. Yeah, 
feel like there's a bit of that between like the longboarding competitions and like the the new I don't know the WSL. It's all under the WSL like banner. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a little bit of that because you watch those guys longboard and they. I just feel like they do not give a fuck. Right. <laughs> like, they're loving it. And they're it's... just so chill. And it, there's no leash. Right. not even wearing, like... And to have that chill style and make it look that easy is, like, that's not easy. No, you know? it's not. And then you go from that to see Keller's coming <clears throat> later and, like, Gabriel Medina, and they're out there thrashing. And it's, like, oh, yeah. so intense. The competition is, like, you can feel the energy. And meanwhile, those boys are, like, well... Right, riding the wave. But I'm still competing and I'm getting paid. Like, it's just, I'm sure something like that will happen too. I don't know. Right, yeah. No, it's cool to see the the wide range of worlds within surfing, you know. So where did you get your first board? I actually found it on Craigslist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And drove out to Homewood, Illinois, of all places. Somebody outside of Chicago was a surfer who would go to, like, whiting and stuff. I think his name was Peter. Shout out Peter. <laughs> Who knows? I out of my phone is Peter Surf, so it's probably not his name, but <laughs> <laughs> he hooked me up though. He had like uh it was actually a third coast board. Oh yeah. So I think it was Bing or whoever shapes it, I can't remember. Um, like a medicine man, I think it was. I still got it. Is so, it a big one? No, that's what's crazy. Is oh. It's a sick-ass board, but it's like a 6'4". And I didn't know what I was doing. So the first board I got is a 6'4", and I'm 6'2". So immediately, I'm like not starting off on a good foot. You know, like I got on that thing. I'm like, man, this board is sick. And it really was. It's a great, awesome board. But when you're the same size as your board, you know, like I get on, I'm like not even really floating on it. You know, I'm like, it's submerged underneath. <laughs> I'm like, this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> like, am I just not paddling hard enough? So then I'm like learning to paddle and I'm like, I must just need to find my balance point and paddle better, you know, which to some extent I did, but also it was just a short board. I didn't know. I was very beginning of learning on Lake Michigan in big spongy waves, you know, that weren't really pushing me up. And I'm just like sinking into everything constantly just paddling. Most days I was just out paddling constantly, you know, because in the summer, most days, there's not even a way that you can catch, especially in Michigan, Michigan City. So, um, yeah, I just paddle like every day. <laughs> just take, take I'd, be, I'd skimboard, too, obviously, so I'd be skimming. But then I'd be like, well, if I'm going to learn, I might as well paddle and, like, duck dive and roll over and stuff, figure out these basics. But that's good. Then you kind of have your footing when it gets a little more serious, I guess. Yeah. So did you stick with that board and, like, stick it out, or did you eventually get a big board? Yeah, I stuck with that board for a long time because I still didn't get it. I still didn't get that I should have had a way bigger board (laughs) to start with. (laughs) So I was just going out, like, on crazy overblown days with, like, gnarly undertow and all that stuff just because I'm like, oh, north wind, huge waves, let's go. Like, I didn't know any better, you know? So I got to Central or Mount Baldy. I'd be the only one out there, of course. And just, like, dive it in, you know? And just, like, trying to handle, you know? And, like, when it's so, like, overblown and crazy out there, like, you just, like, if you duck dive through one wave, you pop up and the next waves hit you in the face. And I was just like, is this it? I'm like, is this surfing? I'm like, do you really just have to be that much of a badass to, like, handle this shit? 
<laughs> I didn't know like California everything is like way more chill wave period and like well there's places you can just chill in the water and sit on your board and wait for a wave you know like I didn't know it was like that so I'm just out <laughs> in Lake Michigan on these horrible days just getting just tossed just thrown <laughs> but at the same time like every once in a while I'd like stand up and like kind of like ride a little something and sink in and be like well I guess I'm figuring out my pop-up or whatever but like it was so hectic like literally like everything would be like me gasping for breath and like trying to chill or like trying to figure out how to sit on my board and be able to just like not sink in or get tossed off by a wave so like yeah if you want to learn all the basics real fast just Lake Michigan is definitely you know <laughs> whip you into shape well it does kind of give you I think it gives you an appreciation for when it's really good Mm. Just because we do have so many days that are like, if there's a wave, you're going. And it's like, you know you're going to get absolutely shit on, but yeah. you're still going. Oh, yeah. You're like looking for it the whole time, you know, just waiting for that one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you stayed with that board and you just progress on it? And kind of. Well, what, uh, what happened, I guess... After that summer and fall, I don't think I did the winter thing. That wasn't really, I don't know if I'm cut out for the whole. That's what's crazy is that dude hooked me up with a wetsuit straight up. I bought a board from him. Yeah, I mean, he is a Peter, dude. Like, like a wetsuit is not an easy thing to get, you know? So I had a suit. I only suited up a couple times. And that was another thing I, I really don't like. Wetsuits, or maybe I'm not super used to them yet, you know? Um. Well, you're pretty tall, so I feel like maybe, do you, does it fit you properly? Uh, I guess. I really wouldn't know any better, though. <laughs> Extremely hard to get on and off, I can tell you that. <laughs> I think that's pretty normal. Yeah, that is normal. I feel like... I used to, um, I used to like fix wetsuits. Like I had a business where I was repairing wetsuits. I still were on the side, but mm-hmm. that was kind of the biggest issue for people. Like having blown out whatever zippers or whatever, it's just they have right. the wrong wetsuits. Oh yeah. You might like it better if. If it fits you, if you yeah. don't want to fit you, you can probably help I remember trying to zip it up small. in the back forever with, like, the first time just being like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, this is it. <laughs> I'm like, I can't get it on, so this isn't happening. <laughs> I think I got it eventually, but, yeah, it's it's no easy task. No, it's a struggle, and then they also have the chest zip ones. I just hate them. I mean, I have a couple of chest zip ones that are fine. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever tried to get in a chest before? I don't think so. It's like a suicide vest. Yeah. Seriously. It's like, or, yeah, that's what those things are called, right? Oh, like a straight jacket? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little darker. I, mean, that's like, that's like, that's like, that's like, I don't know. That's pretty awesome, really. You're like a sick metal band. <laughs> suicide vest. <laughs> a straight jacket. Yeah. Like a straight jacket. <laughs> um, because you can't, it's so impossible to get out of. It's right. so difficult. If you, but if you get one that's the right size, then it's easier to get out of. Oh, okay. Yeah, isn't there some like plastic bags where you like slip them through your feet or yeah. something like that? I think I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, because I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos in the beginning all about early surfing shit. Yeah. Which, well, yeah, which is awesome. There's so much good stuff out there in the surfing world of YouTubers and people like. You can really get put on game pretty easily. Totally. So you were mostly surfing in the summer. Oh yeah, that's right. And then um, by the 
when 2017 came around, I was like, been living in an apartment for about four years in Laporte, just recording music and like getting a little stir crazy, playing the same type of acoustic gigs and still playing a lot of Midwest hype shows around Indianapolis and Chicago, but those are, it wasn't every weekend, so it wasn't like I was on tour again. Um, and I just needed to get out of there, kind of like mental health and everything else, just like stir crazy, needed to leave, do something. Left my apartment and I had a Passat, like a Volkswagen Passat hatchback, so I could fit my board inside, the, the 6-4 board I could fit inside. So I left my apartment and had my entire life in my car. So I had like my guitars and small PA set up so I could play on the road if I needed to. That was like my plan. I was like, oh, I'll get gigs and I'll make money on the road, you know? Super ridiculous plan, but (laughs) it worked out a little bit, yeah. Um, Yeah, surfboard and skateboard, skates, stuff like that. And yeah, my shit was just packed up and I headed west. A few stops along the way, played in Denver and um, camped in Utah. Idaho and stuff, and then made it to Portland, where my brother was, and I stayed there for a while, just playing open mics and skating, still not surfing, still just surfboard in the car, just like trying to figure out if I'm ever going to be able to surf, and uh, after playing music in Portland and doing that for a little while, I headed directly down the coast, like went all the way west to the one and just took Portland down the coast like stopped at Big Sur and stuff and just like I had never you know I'd never been all the way west that like that um so it just became like a music surf adventure um mostly I was trying to just make connections with music and from Midwest Hype and and just trying to reach out and and uh figure out what I could do with uh my music life and just where I was still at with what I wanted to do with skating or surfing, skimboarding, that whole lifestyle. I just wanted to explore because I'd never been to the West Coast to, to do that. Um, and then when I got down to California, I was kind of just camping and stuff along the way, car camping. I looked up... It was either campgrounds or maybe it was surf spots, but I ended up at uh, in Malibu at Leo Carrillo, which is like an old famous surf spot, I guess. But I just found it as a campground, as it's like an amazing campground in Malibu, and stayed there that night and hiked around and skated around, and uh, then surfed the next morning because like I had seen surfers out there that day and I was like all right this is it like I'm finally gonna get I'm finally in the right place in California you know I'm not on these overblown Lake Michigan waves like I could finally figure this out you know there's like I was watching it like dudes would chill out by this rock and these waves would break by the rock you know just perfect one after another you know but it would be like a minute in between waves and, be, and they're just sitting on their boards waiting for the next wave and I was, that alone blew my mind because I was like oh my god so much more makes sense to me now <laughs> of like where and how you're supposed to learn to surf because Lake Michigan does not make it easy when you're just getting pounded when I just see these dudes out chilling by a rock just waiting on a wave <laughs> so it finally kind of clicked in my head that oh I, you, there is ways to learn that you're not going to get hurt or washed or 
potentially whatever, something worse. So I went out that morning, still kind of just kooking it because everybody's in like wetsuits and I'm just like trunks and it's kind of cold. So it's like, it's pretty cold and Leo's like all rocks. So you got to walk out on these rocks and they're all, of course, like slimy and slick. So you're leashed up and trying to step on these rocks. I'm sure the locals know exactly what to do. It probably takes them two seconds to just walk out there. But to me, I was like getting ready to break my ankle, trying to not trip on my leash. <laughs> and so I paddled out finally and like got past the rocks and there was two dudes out there with longboards. And I was kind of trying to talk to them. But also I knew like maybe they probably didn't want to talk to me. Um, but they were actually pretty cool. And they were just like, yeah, dude, like you need a longer board, like use my board. And he was, and bro was just like, here, we're going to put you on my board. And it was like, I think it was like close to a nine footer. So it was like huge. Immediately got it and I'm on top of it, like floating, you know, like chest, just like above the water. I'm like, oh my God, like I've never felt this way on a surfboard before. <laughs> like, I feel like I could already stand up on it. You know, I was like, this is incredible. And then, yeah, like three or four waves went by and like bro was like even like helping me with timing. He's like, all right, paddle, 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 pop up, you know? And I was like, word, you know, like by the third, fourth wave, like I popped up and and I was just there and the board was so stable. I couldn't believe it. You know, obviously it, like you couldn't like turn or anything like that. It was very huge, thick foam, like nine foot board. But then, yeah, just rode it all the way in, like first real wave of an ocean but then right back in the rocks too. So I jumped off and literally knees into the rocks. <laughs> so that, yeah, that was like my little first first wave out in Leo. Yeah, straight a uh, broken open knee in the rocks. But hey, that was that was totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and what year was it? That was 2017. Okay. So, yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So then, did you get a bigger board to surf when you were in California? No. Then I was out in LA and just like survival mode just playing music like on the boardwalk and and busking making tips playing open mics a few brewery gigs that i lined up just from playing and um being out there but i ended up in redondo beach which is in like the south bay and uh there's like a big uh fishing community and seafood like wharf or whatever I guess they call it out there um uh and I would just busk out there and play music for hours playing acoustic from like noon to like sunset every day just to like try to get together a few bucks to eat and then like figure out where to sleep mm -hmm. stuff like that I had a buddy out there I like, crashed with for a while and uh other than that I'd be sleeping in my car or trying to camp around and um so, yeah, then the surfing kind of got put on the side because I'd be so dead tired every day just trying to make money to, like, eat that night that I'd be like, all right, well, if I made it this far, I'm going to eat, and I probably want to get a drink or something, you know? And then it's like, when you don't know where you're going to be, like, at the end of the day, like, that's the only thing you're kind of thinking about, you know? You're thinking about, like, how am I going to eat, and then how am I going to sleep? So in between then, like, I'd be like, man, I need to go to a skate park. Like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I'm in L.A. Like, I should go to a skate park. I should, like, go skimboarding or, like, go to Laguna. Like, Laguna's where skimboarding kind of started because it's the shallow shore break that's, like, good for rapping waves. But, like, didn't make it, you know, because I was just every day just hustling music and trying to survive, which was sick. And a few times I did surf and skimboard. It was amazing. Um but uh, it didn't really uh, 
I mean, riding the wave, riding some waves in Malibu definitely like made it click in my mind. Like, all right, I need to get a bigger board now, you know? So when I finally came back to the Midwest, I did get a bigger board. I found a rusty, it was like a seven, seven or something like that. And, uh, then yeah, things started to make more sense. I would surf like uh second street or whatever, St. Joe. And, and that was fine. That, would, that ended up being a cool spot because I could skim and surf there. Yeah, yeah. Cool spot. Yeah, that is a cool spot. A mm-hmm. popular spot. Yeah, totally. Very popular. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, well, that's interesting. So now, how often are you surfing? I guess whenever it's, uh, whenever I see that it's like a good day or at least a day that it's possible, you know, around here, I'll go to Central or Mount Baldy or sometimes like Washington to down to stop to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always, it's always like, all right, I'm going to skimboard and then I'm going to paddle out and see what happens pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So like I kind of learned over time and with like George Can't Surf becoming like my musical persona and stuff, like, Skimboard, like I'm a skimboarder, and over the years I never really called myself a skimboarder, you know, because it was always just like there. But like, like that's my shit, you know. Like I'm still like can out skim my surfing any day, you know. So it's kind of still more fun to me, and it's so funny too at the same time because there's this irony to it. Anytime I'm like out anywhere skimboarding and like doing anything that's like more legit, they just slide on my board, you know, if anybody sees me, like, wrap a wave or do anything, they're always like, oh, what kind of surfboard is that? You know, like, I didn't know you could surf like that. Like, they always call it surfing, you know, or think that it's some kind of surfing, you know. So, I'm like, oh, this is a skimboard, you know, this is how it's different. (laughs) But, like, I'm still, I still love paddling out. I still love, like, trying to catch a wave. And, uh, I'm probably still just not enough experience with Lake Michigan to know exactly how to surf it right. So it'll probably come more where I get more into it when I really start to figure it out better. Yeah, it definitely, there's a, a learning curve. I definitely feel like in the last year and a half for me personally, that's when I felt like I was figuring it out. It really took me like two and a half or three years. Right. It's so different. You have to learn all the wave formations you have to learn or not the the wind formations yeah which spots work with which wind swell and all that stuff and it is kind of like a scavenger hunt because then you have to figure out like do i want to be with a bunch of people totally here on that day or do i would i rather be like on the hunt yeah so your waves but like i'm by myself and like i don't know that's I'm an advocate for Washington Park Beach because it's almost always working, even though it might be garbage. Really? But yeah. Man, I guess I've never, I haven't gone, so you go like towards the lighthouse then. Is yeah. that kind of where it breaks better then? If... Yeah, so there's like two different banks. There's the one that's like right by the lighthouse, and that's mm-hmm. where like the guys on the shoreboards, if it's good, they're in that pocket. Right. So there's a rip that you can take out against the um, lighthouse that kind of makes a little channel. Oh, nice. And it like sucks you out the back. So that's cool. That's it's, it. it's a pretty like, it's not steep like Central Ave Beach, mm-hmm. but it's like a little more pitchy. So it's kind of like a little bit more of an interesting wave, I guess. Right. Because it looks like not that big, and then it, for whatever reason it hits like those rocks, and it kind of like hitches up a little bit. No kidding. It's a really nice wave. Yeah. And then like I don't know, maybe 
50 feet down, there's another kind of like sand bank that will form like an A-frame, and you can kind of surf both sides of it. Oh, so it's, it's like breaking out yeah. right and left. Yep. Yeah, so it that's sick. Like yeah, I know what you mean there, because that's kind of how it forms itself too, when it's good too. Yeah. Yeah. So, They'll kind of just form over the summer. You'll yeah. see where the sand kind of shifts as a sandbar, and then create a little different break as the summer goes on. And then also you can paddle across like in front of Nitsko. I don't know if you've ever done that. Yeah. But that's called Billy's. It's where you literally jump from the like where the lighthouse is across the channel. And you paddle along that. It's like going west then? Yeah. Yeah. Like towards Central Ave. Right. But you would get get in at Washington Park, walk all the way down to the end, like, you know, and you literally, like, would jump into the channel mm. and paddle across to the other side. Dang. I need to check that out. It's a really good spot. Um, yeah. It works when it's, like, pretty big, but below, if it's blown out on the Washington Park side. That's but good to know. Yeah, it works. It's really good because you you can't paddle back in. So you like ride the wave all the way to shore, and then you walk on shore and walk down the pier and then jump back in. Oh, okay. You, I think I get what you're saying. Like a circle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah just so kind of back and like forth. Wait for your wave, ride your wave all the way into the beach, walk mm-hmm. off the, up the beach, up the pier, jump off the pier, and then go back. Damn. So it's way less paddling. So is this like fall time then? This is can, can happen all the time. But yeah. I would say spring and fall is when it's best. Right. Unless I think it's sketchy in winter because it's pretty much only working when it's like a monster storm. Yeah. And at that point, you like you probably don't want to paddle out anyway. Right. It's too sketchy to actually get in to get over. Like when oh, yeah. we over at that side, it would be fine. But it's kind to of to get there. To get there, it's like. All the waves are splashing on the back of the lighthouse, and it's crazy. There's weird, like, ribs, and it's so windy that your board's basically a kite. Yeah. So, yeah, I can I can kind of show you on that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, that's something I've never really gotten into. It's like I've kind of watched the wind. You know, I know if it's coming in from the north or whatever, be like, oh, dude, it's a north wind. Like, let's go out and just see how it is. You know, like that's how it always was with skimboarding, and then we skim whatever was available. And sometimes it would be, especially for skimboarding, too windy where you're throwing down, and literally your board can fly back up right into you if you're coming at the wind direction like that. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard to learn. To, to read it and know what's uh, possible and what you're even, like, trying to go for. It is. And and there's also, too, like, just because it's windy um, doesn't mean there's going to be waves. And mm-hmm. also, like, there's different winds that you might like that someone else might not like. You right. Know what I'm I can see that, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't like when it's super, super big. Right. And I would rather go out when it's maybe, like, a little sloppier but smaller. Yeah, not as intense of a vibe, and you don't feel like yeah, exactly. your life is at risk. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because, man, around here, when you're out there, there's just nobody. Yeah. Especially Michigan City. like It's crazy. Have you ever had, because I have an issue, I'll say, with the Washington Park lifeguards. If you're listening to this, I have a problem with you, because, and you're a lifeguard, because for whatever reason, out of any of the places I've surfed on, like Michigan, they don't seem to understand 
that we can only circle when the beach is closed to the public. You know what I mean? Right. Like the red flag. And they don't have boards either, do they? They don't do any surf rescues. That's have, insane. It is insane. Like a surf rescue is like one of the best tools to have for any type of water. They have told me, the last time I got into it with them, they told me that if something happens to me, they only do, what do they say, retrievals, they don't do rescues. So basically they're not going to try to save you. But they'll pick you up, yeah. Oh, my God. Who's in charge of that? I I have no idea. And then I dug into it a little bit with um, the guy from the Surf Lake Rescue Project. And the mayor, well, it would be our old mayor. I don't know what's up with the new mayor. Doesn't allow any of the the first responders to talk to the press at all about everything that happens to the lake. Yeah, they got to get with that. Because I think they just unaware of how serious the lake is you know and i mean they i mean they should know by now you know there's so many casualties every summer or whatever i think they should take it a little more seriously yeah i guess what i was trying to say before i went on a full rant about the lifeguards i'm sorry but i just like to me yeah no that's crazy because i'm i'm out there all all the time but i don't really go to washington park so we're stop two or any of those Beaches that are still public, those are just no lifeguards. It's yeah, just exactly. swimming your own risk. Yeah. But I think that that's like, it's a little, it's not better, but at least you know. Like, yeah, it's, it's on you, yeah. Yeah, when you go to the where the lifeguards are, all you get from them is just like, I'm going to call the cops on you. And it's like, <clears> okay, <throat> but why? Like, it's, I can do this actually. But I was just trying to see if you had any experience with that because I know that some people that skimboard have also had that issue because mm-hmm. they're not swimming. All right. It's like they're by the water mm-hmm. or they're in the water. Yeah, I haven't had a lifeguard say anything, but I've had uh, people who think they own the beach say things to me. Because they want you to be <laughs> yeah. in the water. Yeah, right, yeah. On their beach property that isn't really theirs. Oh, yeah. 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 Those people are hilarious. Trying to take it to like the Supreme Court and getting and shut down by them and be like, nope, that's not your land. Sorry. And they're they're still trying. Yeah. And they don't. The thing is, with the main people, the Gundersons, the the family that like started that lawsuit, they don't live here anymore. Oh yeah. I can see that. So crazy. I mean. For my opinion, I feel like I would understand, like, if I paid X millions to live on the beach and I had a bunch of, like, kids partying or shenanigans. Right, if it was an issue. Yeah, I could see that being annoying and being like, hey, this is my property, you're here, this is annoying. Yeah, you just shoot them away or whatever. But for the most part, it's just people, like, having a walk. Exactly, skimboarding by. Skimboarding by. Not even that close to your house. Yeah. Like, that's an interesting one, but now there's, they have no beach. Yeah, that's the other crazy thing, is all this beach decay that's happened. It's so bad. Yeah, I go out to Beverly Shores a lot to skate and stuff, just because there's good dunes and hills, mm-hmm. and I've just watched that, all the stuff decay through this early winter, and then all the work they've been trying to put into it to save the shoreline. It's pretty crazy. It is really crazy. There's 10 houses here. So this here is like stop 30. And I guess there's 10 houses from stop, I don't know, 26 to 28 that are making all together like a giant seawall for the 10 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the problem is that the two, what was someone saying, either three houses on each side or four or five, 
because the waves will hit that seawall mm-hmm. and then they'll go out and cause even more erosion. Like a bigger so ripple. Yeah. Right. Well, they're going to sue. It's just like. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's really interesting. It's sad. It's really sad. It is. I don't think it's like. I think it sucks and it shouldn't be happening, but it's just kind of hard to watch people try so hard to save something that, like. Yeah. And especially when they don't want to work together. That's uh, well. I guess they're kind of trying to work together, but somebody's <laughs> always yeah. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> to start, I guess. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. But yeah, I heard in Beverly Shores they're worried about the underground gas lines being exposed or exploding, and they even asked the state for help, and they're like, "Oh, we can't do anything yet," you know. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Here's the sewer because there's one house again. It's like right down here. It's so sketchy. So they they built this house and they bought two lots. The first lot is zoned in Indiana and the second lot is zoned in Michigan. Oh jeez. They pay Indiana taxes. They look there. It's technically Michigan, I think. It so they pay Indiana taxes, but the the Indiana denied them to build the house with the sewer like underground mm-hmm. on the Indiana side. So they built the whole house and put the sewer underground on the mission. Right. Of course. And now, <laughs> now it's awful. Now like there's an issue with the sewer and it's like the whole town of Long Beach, which is like this area, yeah. has been trying to like figure out a way to basically take that sewer out. Even though it's Michigan, it's like oh my goodness, I know. what a what a mess. Enough about me. It's just sad to talk about. Yeah, no, it is, especially when you see it. And and the other thing is, I see it fluctuate a lot, too, you know, and I know it's bad right now, and especially because it's getting into people's homes and stuff, but I also know that it's going to come back, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. I don't know if it'll be next year or whatever, but, like, I guarantee within, like, five years, or, or I guess I can guarantee it, but at least what I've seen in my lifespan of going to the beach for – 20 years or whatever is like there's a huge ebb and flow like it, it's it's gonna the beach is gonna be back at some point it's not like this is a permanent thing forever you know but it is obviously damaging yeah I I heard that too and I also some of the people that are have been here for their whole lives and are like in their 70s have talked about how almost exactly 50 years ago it was higher than it was now right and that's why any of the older houses houses that you see are like on the other side of that lake shore mm-hmm. so they remember it being so high so they didn't build there and all the houses that are on right on the beach are new <clears throat> yeah because <laughs> why would you build somewhere if you know mm-hmm. that the erosion is going to happen or that the water level is going to change so much right so, I don't know. I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with just a respect of water. Like, I, yeah. maybe I would think differently if I had the funds to purchase property in front of the lake. Maybe I would feel some other kind of way. But I just think you have to respect that she's going to do what she wants. Oh, totally, yeah. 
more nature. <laughs> Seriously, I I learned that from from surfing too. Like when you're like getting pinned down or something, and like you come up like gasping for breath, and like you have that feeling. It's like, come on, just give me a break. And it's like, who who are you asking to give you a break? You know, like nobody's gonna give you a break. You know, like that's mother nature. Like it's just gonna keep. You know, the next wave is always gonna be there. Hundred percent. A lot like life, that's why I always tell yeah. people, you don't even mean to turn surfing into metaphors, but yeah. it kind of sounds like Oh, it's so easy, yeah. I mean, that's how the George Can't Surf thing came. It was like never being able to ride a wave, you know, and like, and in my life, I was like kind of searching for the same thing of like trying to just ride the wave and stop forcing things to happen, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, dude, just like go with it, do what you're capable of and ride the wave and, you know, quit trying to force it. That, that's really deep. I guess, I guess a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool, though, but I can, I can see that laid out, and I think whatever that saying is, like, only a surfer knows the feeling. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that, or whatever you're into, but just anything that forces you to go with the flow and then yeah. choosing to do that thing, whatever it is. Yeah, and to, like, live exactly in the now of that moment, you know, that's what surfing forces you to do, too. And it's, like, you know, that, like, almost, like, psycho watch when you're waiting for a wave, that you're, like, have this, like, cat-like focus when you're just, like, all you're doing is looking at the water, you know, or, like, feeling the water or watching sets or whatever. The same thing with skimboarding, like just be standing on the beach and there's like people walking by me, but I'm just like staring at the water, you know, sometimes for like two or three minutes before I decide to run, you know? And it's like, you're just waiting to get into that moment. And then you're like trying to extend that moment as long as you can, you know, and get the best ride you can. Yeah. And try to like, try to get the, the best wave too. That's such a interesting part of, of surfing and also obviously of life is just like wave selection. Mm-hmm. Like if you choose the wrong wave, you will get shit on. Right. If you choose the right wave, you could and your position's right and your focus is right and everything's good. You can catch the wave and you can still get shit on because it can change into like a monster yeah. wave. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think that part of surfing is so interesting and also that's why it's so interesting to talk to people that surf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like, forces you to learn that, you know, mm-hmm. which is such, like, a human thing, which is cool because, like, it's not, like, a process of, like, this is how you're going to learn to live in the moment, you know? It's just, like, okay, here's, you have to be present to be able to stand up on this wave and ride it, you know? And when, like, you get that demand of presence, that's, like, the realest human experience ever, I think, you know? 100%. Yeah. Let's talk about Midwest hikes. Actually, you've talked about it a couple times, and I I vaguely know what it is, mm-hmm. but maybe explain that a little bit. Sure, yeah. Midwest Hype is the original group, um, musicians, my brothers, that we've been at it, making original music and playing shows and making albums for over 10 years now, and seeing the ups and downs all along the way, and we're, we're still at it, so. How did you guys meet? Uh, initially just high school stuff, high school jamming, extended out into the college years when we found some more guys, uh, around Ball State and, um, the college area. And so that kind of college formation is where we're still at today with the the members that have stuck together and there's 
still seven of us that are like this, the strong seven that are around. But, you know, everybody's, everybody's still living their lives. We're kind of spaced out around the Midwest. So we get together for small tours and, and recordings and shows and all that and just just living it, you know, still doing what we do. And what kind of music is it that you're playing? We're all uh, um, a mix of different musical backgrounds, so it's always been... Uh, I, I hate saying genre words because it's so hard to uh, like what do I say first rock and roll or reggae or funk you know but it, it's kind of all those things we have horn players you know we some of us grew up beach lifestyles so there's a lot of reggae influence um, but my man Ideal like we grew up kind of like rapping and making beats and stuff so he's he's an MC to this day still making records and, and with us and so there's a hip hop element there, and then um, the the horn players are from jazz backgrounds, so that's their kind of influence on on what they add. And I mean, yeah, but when it comes down to it, you know, we're a rock and roll band that everybody can dance to. That's awesome. Yeah. And when you're playing shows and stuff, are you only doing original music, or will you do covers and mix mix stuff in, or how does that work? Yeah, there's always some covers, but. The focus is definitely original music, original albums, trying to, yeah, doing the whole, you know, we have a vision and a, and a concepts for the, I actually brought you some music here. Yeah, that's a, this is the Night Glow is the new Midwest Hype album we're working on. This is the first 45 um, album vinyl releases, A-side and B-side. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and so this is the first two songs, uh, Midwest Hype, Night Glow. You can actually find it on Spotify and all that stuff now. It's up there. And then we're going to put out a full-length album here in the spring that'll have all seven songs on it together. That's so cool. Yeah. And do you, like, record all of your own music? Are you self um like funded or do you have a label or how does it work yeah we've had all those things through the years uh so for like the george can't surf album this is all my own creation you know home studio put it out there just kind of passion project as i'm building and working on midwest hype stuff because midwest hype is full professional studio recordings we're working with producers and engineers to create you know the best product of our vision um, so like the Nyglo stuff we've been doing at Gravity Studios in Chicago, which is an old Chicago studio with Doug McBride. And, uh, yeah, just, um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, are you self-funded or do you have, like, managers? Oh, right. Or, like, with a label? Yeah, right now we're self-funded again. Yeah. We used to have a production company of investors um, and that fell through with a kind of a sticky legal mess of falling out. And then in around 2012, we had a connection, um, out in Burbank. We did an album in Burbank and it was going to get, we had a Sony distribution deal. So we we're going to get this distribution for the album, not necessarily signed to Sony, but it was going to go out through their channels so we could get it into the, what was left of record stores and proper online distribution. But after the album finished, that studio slowly went under, and so did our deal. And so that was, like, the end of the era of, like, 2012 to 2014. Um, and then we've been independent since then again. And uh, just, yeah, funding everything and working connections and just working this weird modern world of 
social media or whatever the hell else people have to do now. You're on Spotify. I know you yourself is on Spotify as well as Midwest Type. Can you tell us approximately how much you make per play of a song? I mean, if you could cut a penny into pieces, <laughs> you know, you'd have to do it a bunch of times. <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, Spotify's not that cool. Honestly, they don't treat artists that well. You know, it's like, yeah, you you can't. It's not for making money. It's just for making your music available to people. Do you feel like it benefits you in terms of like connections? So then, like, it's a place for you to for people to find you. I guess just yeah, just so you can tell people, hey, look up my music on whatever digital platform you use. You know, yeah. and that's basically what you what you say now, because you don't even know if people are using Spotify or Google Play or Title or whatever the hell else there is. So it's just like, <laughs> just, hey man, just search my band name online, you're gonna find it. You know, <laughs> just search me by type, you're gonna find it. <laughs> and is that your is that your full time thing? Like, are you surviving off of being an artist? Like you're. Surviving, yeah. Surviving. <laughs> Always surviving. Yeah, 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 no, totally. And it has taken me a long time, and yeah, I'm definitely proud of it, even though I'm scraping by a lot, you know. That's so cool. Yeah, 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 and it's been a long time coming, you know, worked, worked at Jimmy John's or whatever else along the way, you know, and uh, so to be able to have my band and, and the focus of being an original artist is it's like a privilege because making it as a musician any other way like you're kind of playing in the bars and, and doing cover songs and doing uh just familiar stuff you know that people want to hear especially in a, like an area like this where there's a million little bars just looking for entertainment so like that ends up being what fulfills my musical income you know so it's not i can't say i'm like oh yeah i write songs i'm a songwriter i'm an artist and I, that's how i make my living i'm a musician and i make my living you know which is still hard to do and i still love playing cover songs and you know figuring out the songs that connect with people through generations you know what connects from the 70s and the 90s and and every song you learn helps you become a better writer and everything so it all helps and and yeah, I feel super lucky to just be able to scrape by as a musician. You know? What is your craziest story from tour? Oh, man. <laughs> I got to not put any band members on blast or anything here. <laughs> well, we had a, just a hell of a long 2010 road trip to South by Southwest that was just like full of craziness so we had a short bus to start with it was like our old van had died and we somehow found this short bus that was literally like it had like the handle thing to open the door you know and a stop sign on it and everything it was pretty badass in theory but then yeah by the time we got to like alabama like it wouldn't go over 45 miles an hour and we're just like pedal to the ground just like looking at each other like oh man this thing's probably not gonna last and so, yeah, that broke down in, uh, like, Mobile, Alabama. We were stranded there. <laughs> and uh, Ideal and I, we were, like, walking down the side of a highway to uh, try to get a hose for the van. Um, ended up, uh, like, renting a, uh, a passenger van from the airport. 
so we could just so we could get to South by Southwest. And we had, we ended up leaving the short bus in Alabama and like cramming all of our equipment and everything into this uh, freaking van that we hardly fit into to make it to South by Southwest. And we did. We played our showcase and everything, and um, <clears throat> we made it there. But uh, we lost the uh, short bus in the process. You just left it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like even after that, we're like, all right, we still got a week on the road. We'll we'll ball out this fucking van or whatever and come back and get, figure out the short bus. And by that time, we were like out of money, all exhausted, and we're like, we just all got to get home, you know. And since we em- we mostly emptied out the van, there was some things left in it. Uh, but yeah, if anybody's driving a short bus in Alabama, it could be the old Millicite van. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for a perfect, like, vehicle, though. Yeah, Actually. it did look super cool. <laughs> <laughs> did it have, like, all the bus seats on? Yeah, it had, like, three rows, I think, of, of bus seats. <laughs> it smelled like elementary school. <laughs> the little pinch windows, you know? Can only go down to the line. So no one jumps out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. What is the weirdest wave that you have ever surfed? Oh, jeez. The weirdest. Uh, it's hard because, I mean, I like the amount of waves I've ridden in like practically on two hands you know like I haven't even rode that many good waves but honestly probably the weirdest one was probably my first in Malibu because I didn't know what to expect you know and then when I realized that stability of a longboard and like what it actually feels like to have a wave push you from behind and you're not just like spongy just flopping down under the water like I was for so long like that was just like an amazing clicking moment that was both weird and like made sense and then, you know, I, I fell into the rocks at the end, too, so that made it even more weird. And I was like, all right, well, I'm bleeding after this, too, so <laughs> got to get it all in at once. What was your biggest oh shit moment while surfing? Or have you had one? Maybe you haven't had yours yet. You have. No, this, I'm glad you, you brought that up earlier because I thought about it and I remember pretty well. Uh, out on a little shortboard when I was first trying to just go out on crazy days that were overblown on at stop two or whatever and uh i was just trying to get out and it was just breaking 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 where it was like chest high and that would be your overhead to where you can't touch the bottom you know like depending on what was coming in what was coming out and yeah just classic like duck dive through a wave but at this point it's like i didn't even know how to duck dive so it was probably super sloppy and out of control and I came up and a wave was like just clearly about to break in my face and I didn't know how to respond. So I thought that like putting my board up would like <laughs> stop it, you know, I'm sure everybody probably has a story like this or maybe was told not to do the worst thing ever. And of course it overpowered me with like three times the force and it hit me in the head just so crazy hard that I was underwater and then probably maybe mildly concussed trying to figure out what was going on just getting washing machined around you know with the old dome smack and then uh yeah by the time i got off the water then it was just like all right figure out where the shore is and i just gotta go survival mode but i will tell you this having the skimboard and always skimboarding 
uh, before serving, I would always put my skimboard up like as a flag on the beach type of thing. So I would go, drop my towel, and stab my board in the sand, which is what I usually do anyway with my skimboard. So when I paddle out, especially when you're by yourself on a crazy day where it's just madness and a storm, like the only thing you can see is this little triangle of the skimboard on the shore. But you know, yeah, where to paddle to. Yeah. That's yeah. really smart because people do. The, the rips here are so intense that pull you to the side that it's, I think it's just super easy to get. Oh, yeah. I've gone down so far at Central one time that I, like, thought I was, like, like was somewhere different. You know, I was like, there's no way I made it down this far, you know? <laughs> just walking back thinking that I had, like, passed my towel or something, you know? I was like, nope, I was just really that far down. Yeah, it happens quick. It happens really quick. I think it happens for uh, it's happened for me the most is, like, over stop two. For whatever reason, that that spot it just um, carries you out. Carries you like up, mm-hmm. like you know, east or whatever. Right. Um. So quickly and yeah. But that's yeah, and people remember just let it carry you. Don't fight that shit. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, well, and follow if you ever call in a rip. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. I've actually never heard that. That's from the uh, Great Lakes Surf Rescue Program. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they put the, um, they put signs on the beach, and they also, um, they help to do surf lifeguard training for the lifeguards on the Great Lakes. Right. Ours just didn't show up. This yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> did not go home. Dude, that's insane. <laughs> not only is that insane, oh my gosh. I know, I, I gotta stop harping on them. Well, no, they need to be. Because it, it blows my mind the fact that they don't have rescue boards to begin with. Like, that alone is just insanity. <laughs> oh, God. What is next for you? Mmm. Well, we got the Midwest Hype full length coming out, hopefully by May. That's what we're looking at. And we're doing the Midwest Hype Burnham anniversary show in June. I think it's June 27th. Burnham Brewery um, is their anniversary. And we're headlining that. And we brew a beer with them. We do the Midwest IPA, which is like a cool one. We did it last year with them for the, or two years ago for the first time. Did really well. So we're going to make a bunch of kegs of that. Um, and hopefully have the album to release. It'll be a big show. Uh, but personally, like, I still have a bunch of George Camp surf material. Like, we, um, Midwest Hype just did a show with Sublime, or the surviving Sublime, Sublime with Rome in Indianapolis. And, uh, the guy, the DJ for that band, uh, or for the current Sublime, does a lot of production and stuff. So, I've been trying to stay connected with him with possible, um, collaborating on music or trying to get some Midwest Hype stuff produced or maybe just some George Cancer stuff through that whole Sublime world because that's obviously a big connection through reggae rock and that entire world out there of what's happening with all these reggae rock bands that are kind of a resurgence that's kind of going around now that we kind of get grouped into because obviously we do some reggae rock too um, we got a lot, of, a lot of cool music coming from that world and uh, other than that, I'm trying to uh, trying to skate again. I, honestly, like I've like skated so much like through my youth, and then kind of became music as my main focus. That like I wanted to skate like as well as I could for so long that I like didn't do that through like my kind of my prime years where I would have been best at it. I guess you know it was kind of like my 
side thing when I was pursuing music. I was like, oh, I'll skate when I can, but not focus on it. So now that I'm not 27 anymore or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shit, man, I, I still can skate. Like, I'm getting older, so I want to film some stuff. I want to film some street skating and, like, make a part just to be proud of and be like, I did this in my life. This was a chapter, you know. Just so I'm not laying, laying awake at night being like, oh, I want to do this rail. I want to skate this gap. And if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it in my life, you know. So that's that's a project I want to do, the skate, skate part coming up in the spring, yeah. And if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Definitely uh, Midwest Hype, anything online. First and foremost, that's always my focus. And then George Can't Surf on Instagram, that's kind of where I connect now as far as social media. And, um, yeah, if you see me out in Michigan City or uh, Michigan area around New Buffalo or St. Joe, you know, Midwest Hype, or if you see George Matthew or George Can't Surf, I'm doing acoustic out and about at the bars and breweries all the time. So you might see me out there. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> And that was episode 32. I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. We did have a little bit of technical difficulties with our mics. Mine was like really quiet for some reason, but hopefully it was still listenable and enjoyable. If you want to reach out to George, you can find him on Instagram at George Can't Surf. You can also find him on Spotify and you can find Midwest Hype on Spotify. I highly, highly recommend checking out their music. It's just awesome, feel-good tunes. So, Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Monday with another episode.